we've been at war but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered welcome to great scott the office podcast i am jay ray and with me is my desk mate jacob what's up buddy how's it going everybody uh, we are members of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit brokenjars.xyz for all of our other great shows. Special thanks to our sponsor, Tiny Build, the developer of such great games as Punch Club, Speedrunners, and Cluster Truck. Um, we got a special guest this week, Nate. Hi. Hi. I didn't know I was special, but thank you so much. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, you might know Nate from his work over at officequote.net. Actually, we are the officequotes.com. Oh my god, I'm such a fuck. <laughs> That's alright. Sports.com. It's okay, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, figures, no problem at all. <laughs> What's yeah, up, man? Back, back when we like back in our heyday that used to be a big like confusion too, is there was the officequotes.com and then there was just officequotes.net. Mm-hmm. Um how long has the site been up? Oh, I I couldn't give you an exact date, but since like the early early years of the office, I wanna say like at least season two or three oh, wow. websites. And uh, it wasn't founded by me. I'm just a mere humble moderator. Uh, and no, I we haven't really posted. There hasn't been much to update about the show lately. Mm. Uh, I'm still happy to be a, a representative of the website. It was uh, created by a guy named Mark Titus, who uh, I guess is an even bigger fan of The Office than me because he created a whole website dedicated to just the quotes. Yeah. Uh, but I joined around 2010 because I was a big Office fan. Uh, Coming in, coming out of high school, I was a really huge office geek, like to the extreme. Like I would quote it on a daily basis. Uh, two years in a row, I went as Jim's, like an amalgam of all of Jim's Halloween costumes for Halloween. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so like the year after, I'd like update it with the most recent like edition. But uh, yeah, I I started going on the site just to look at quotes and just to kind of remind myself how funny of a show this show really is. And uh, I can't remember exactly how it really kind of happened but i ended up emailing mark about hey do you ever need uh, help on the website moderating adding quotes and stuff and he said yeah absolutely we're always looking for extra moderators so uh, i jumped in and was happy to transcribe these episodes word for word like it was like an excuse to watch these episodes another <laughs> time just to take down these quotes you know yeah. it's kind of one reason we're doing this podcast <laughs> yeah i don't blame you it's a genius genius way to keep this show alive um so how did you find the show? Was you just like watching NBC one day, or someone turned you on to it, or what? I think the, the first time I, the first episode I ever sat down and, or not sat down, it was on TV in a room that I happened to be in. But <laughs> the first episode I watched was uh, Stress Relief, and it was right after the it was right after the Super Bowl. Yep. So it was their big like NBC after thir- uh, uh, Thursday after the Super Bowl special, or whatever, and. Uh, and it was that opening with the fire drill, with yeah. White's fake fire drill. And I was, I was, I was young. I was like maybe fourteen or fifteen. But uh, even then, I was like, "This is hilarious! Like, this is my <laughs> sense of humor. This is this is some of the best television." And to this day, I still think that opening is like the best ten minutes of television ever made, yeah. at least comedy-wise, at least in a, in a on a comedic show. Um, 
so yeah, all through high school, I started like watching all the reruns on TBS and uh, like my local kind of like Channel Thirteen kind of like uh, reruns at night. And uh, and then by the t- I, I think by the time I jumped in, it was on like season five. And so since then, yeah, I started watching on NBC, seeing the new episodes up until the very end. And uh, yeah, it's just a show that really captured my my sense of humor in every way, like the deadpanness, the seriousness, but also like the the goofiness that they hide within like the, the everyday, the mundane. Mm-hmm. That's what really mm-hmm. made me love with this show. Um, I mean, we feel similarly. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, because we're doing a podcast about it. doing a whole podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think we scheduled it out. We're going to be doing the show for like two years. Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's yeah. the four episodes each. So wow, yeah, yeah. Because it was like 198 episodes. I think is how long it ran. Okay. So yeah, if we, that's, it, that's... the minimum amount of time we could do is probably about a year. You yeah. Know, if we did yeah. four episodes every week, that's a lot of that's a, that's a lot of heavy lifting. That's a lot of hours and a lot of content, so kudos. Kudos to you guys. (laughs) All right, well, so we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episodes 5, 6, 7, and 8 today, kicking off with Halloween. Uh, The first Halloween episode, which becomes sort of a tradition, uh, along with the Christmas episodes. I think every season has a Halloween episode, except for maybe four. Technically, six doesn't. If you own it on DVD, right? Because they yeah. cut, they, they ended up cutting the cold opening that they had for the only Halloween like thing they did, and I think it was because like Michael pretended to hang himself or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's the that's the famous uh, bookface. Yeah, where Jim is bookface. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, book you you, you see face. pictures of it everywhere, and I guess I don't know if I missed it live because I remember not seeing it live. I just saw it on like YouTube after the fact or something. I yeah, wonder if it's. Yeah, one of those things where maybe it did air the first time as was, and it got a lot of complaints, so they just edited it for all rebroadcast. Yeah, rebroadcast and and well, the season six DVD. I think it even like what's weird is like the season six DVD, like the episode breakdowns. I think mention that it's mm-hmm. Halloween or that there's a Halloween aspect to it. Like you even see Jim's like book face, I think, in, in one of the little like interstitial pictures. But yeah, nowhere on that episode if you watch it. Maybe the Blu-rays got it. I don't know, but yeah, at least the DVD copy that I own, I know for a fact, does not have that. Wow, this is new to me. I don't. Oh yeah, I don't, never heard of this at all. <clears throat> it's yeah. really great because Daryl's taking all these kids through the warehouse downstairs, and like you see everybody's costumes, and Daryl does not know what anybody's dressed up as, <laughs> and like he keeps like calling people out. Like Ryan's supposed to be Edward Cullen from Twilight, and he's all like. Um, Dracula and his emo grandson or something like that and um, he's like I told y'all to email me what you were going to be <laughs> um, yeah it's pretty My- great Michael's a is a dick in a box guy yeah which is particularly <laughs> great when he's hanging because like yeah. Yeah. he's shaking violently and he's got a box around his junk <laughs> yeah. yeah it's terrible it uh, so terrible. this episode starts with a cold open yes yeah which <clears throat> I, I noticed that too it's, it's not the first cold open of season two right or is no, it it's like mm-hmm. the third Oh, is it okay? Good because I, I yeah I remember, I remember listening to the commentary on one of the episodes and then then pointing out like oh this is the first episode with a cold open, which is interesting like how they went so long without needing to do it or I guess that was just the writing style change I don't know I don't know really like what drives somebody to go, and I mean I'm a writer so I I, I can I can understand why but it's interesting why a show just all of a sudden just decides like we're gonna do a cold open, right and just right. just drop you into it. 
Well, and I think that like they probably when they um, started doing the writing and stuff, they they did it once because the first one that was aired was the one yeah. where uh, Michael Ryan gets, gets Ryan to come in early with the sandwich. That's the first one, at least that was aired. It may not have been uh-huh. the first one recorded, but they're like, they yeah. get a lot of positive feedback. So you're like, ah, oh, we'll just do it, and then it becomes like a thing, you know. I think also because there's no there's no cold opens in season one, which I guess has a lot to do with. I think they tried to shoot that season <clears throat> as close to the British version as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't I don't remember many cold opens in the British version at all. Yeah, I'd agree so, too. I, yeah, I think that's I think that's probably where that changed. Like especially season two when they branch out into a little bit different kind of filmmaking, with the the documentary style at least. Uh, yeah, that's it's it's great. How they, I mean, it's, and it's such a tradition now. Like uh, you can think of so many great office moments that are just from cold opens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we'll get there in the next episode with the fight. But to me, yeah. the fight is like the beginning of the cold opens, not really relating to the episode specifically. Right, because even this one, even Halloween has like. <clears throat> It, yeah. it opens on Halloween. You see uh, Pam in her cat costume. Yeah. Right. Um, so generally, the gist of this episode is it's Halloween in the office. Um, the cold open, as we mentioned, starts with Jan receiving a... Nope, sorry. Michael receiving a phone call from Jan's assistant asking for Michael to give up <laughs> a name of somebody he was supposed to have fired that month. Um, and he doesn't and has a social faux pas where he accidentally shit-talks the assistant while she's still on the line. Yep. Um, just so just that, that classic example of just deadpan humor of just mm-hmm. like he's, he does something so ridiculous and there's that beat, there's that pause where he's like, God, I wish I could fire her. <laughs> just real quiet. Yeah, I'm still on. I'm still yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, so Jacob, why don't, you, why don't you start? You got what? any notes you got from this episode? Uh, or Yeah, it was kind of all over the place, but uh, one thing you, you, you've kind of start to understand but really understand because uh, – Michael gets really upset, and Pam knows how to defuse him from getting pissy at her, so he doesn't get fired. She doesn't get fired, you know. Yeah, yeah. That uh, is, she does. She does play that card of like, okay, I need to appease Michael and make him feel special. Right, and then you know, and you see that throughout the sh- entire show. This is really one of the first times where you see her just like defusing the bomb, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Michael being Michael, I'm a little surprised the tie on his paper mache head didn't match the tie he was wearing. But they're actually oh, okay. two different ties. Which where did that come? He said he ordered it from a catalog. So it was like it was like a kit, I assume. I, I know, but it's like clearly like a paper mache of his own head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he he put hours into it. It's that's not something you like. You have your kid do over like just an hour. Like no, he probably sat there at his kitchen table overnight doing it. Yeah. Well, and that's something um, that, I mean, it's sort of jumping to the end, but, you know, Michael, at the very end of the episode, you kind of get a sense for just sort of how alone Michael is, you yeah. know, when they're sitting there at the end looking into his condo and he's just kind of waiting yeah. for the trick-or-treaters, like, yeah, the sense that, like, he's all by himself all the time. Yeah, I mean, to utilize my girlfriend's experience watching the show since she's kind of going through it for her first time, oh, nice. um, she said I that sure. it's... <laughs> What? I envy her. Yeah, I know. She's she's very lucky. But um, she said that she's had a lot of trouble, um, like relating and rooting for Michael because yeah. of his like, kind of blatant stupidity about stuff. But it's moments where, the yeah. world gets real and he can't understand are the easier moments to feel bad for him. You know. I I found the same thing. Like I dated a girl 
a couple months ago and I showed her the the office from start to finish and yeah she had the same thing where she's like I have a hard time like liking Michael he's kind of an asshole and that was like throughout the first season and into the second season until yeah they start like warming up Michael and she agreed she was like yeah I find I'm finding things to like about Michael because they're showing me yeah. more of his side mm. well this moment that Jacob brought up is like really kind of sad yeah because he he likes Halloween and And so having the kids around kind of makes him happy because he could kind of be himself because he's kind of like a big old child himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's alone and he obviously had not a very great day at the office. And so it's kind of uh, you'd be you'd be a real cold hearted person to walk away from this episode, not feeling a little bad for Michael, even though he was messing up the whole episode. Yeah. And, and it's something that's a progression sort of with this show in general is. The characters you start off hating, like Michael or Dwight, they do eventually yes. make them into somebody decent, except yeah. for Ryan. <laughs> yeah, Ryan and – yeah, it's, I guess it's all opinion, but I think the biggest consensus everybody would agree on would be Ryan. Yeah. He's, well, because Ryan you kind of like in the beginning. Cause right, he, goes, he does the reverse. You like in the beginning, and then once he comes back from New York, he's just a giant tool bag. Well, but then again, it does say a lot about how smartly that character was written because he starts off so, like, not humble, but is such a puppy dog, and then that whole world shapes him into, like, a monster almost. Mm. Well, so, speaking of that, uh, the, shit, what the hell was that episode? Stress Relief that you had mentioned earlier? Season 5, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of my friends, because I was in college when we watched that episode, and they had felt that that episode was the beginning of The Office kind of jumping the shark a bit. Really? I mean, I think that episode ramps up the insanity because it was a Super Bowl episode. But yeah, a yeah. lot of them had a lot of problems with, like, how dumb everybody is in that episode. Like, they're in a CPR class. Why is everybody standing up uh, singing Staying Alive instead of, like, learning how to give CPR to this dummy, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if you want to compare Season 5 Office to Season 1 or even Season 2 Office, like, yeah, there's a It's big super different, league. yeah. Yeah, there's a big leap in the amount of comedy that they try for. Um, I would I wouldn't agree that they've jumped the shark, but I do admit that yeah, that's a it's not that they're out of character, but they're it's it's it, that's where the show had evolved to at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, because then that is the season where um, Ryan comes back from Thailand. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so he, and then from there he starts becoming that hipster Ryan. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, and then a lot of characters kind of have turning points around then, you know, Stanley being like this suave womanizer kind of guy or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously not in that episode because he had almost died. He was kind of preoccupied, but, you know. <laughs> Which I think that might, maybe that has a lot to do with it, too. Maybe after he has a near-death experience, Stanley kind of lives life a little bit more on edge. Well, I was going to say, because his first, not to get too far away from this episode, we'll get right back. But I yeah. think Stanley's first cheating experience is with that lady, Cynthia, who was his nurse. Right. That's what the You're that's what the hell right. they make it seem in the show anyway. Yeah, You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. So so that I mean yeah. The, so that stress relief episode is definitely a big turning point for the show, which is crazy because it's like halfway through its life. Yeah, it is a midpoint. Yeah. Um. Anyways, back to Halloween. I did notice something that um. There's a little bit more of a hint about Michael not liking Toby. It hasn't become like super apparent yet. There was a bit in yeah. Diversity Day where. Yeah. Toby makes like, a, are we all going to sit Indian style joke? And Michael turns him away. But we can assume that's because Michael really cares about diversity 
for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, but here, when it seems like he might fire Jim and Jim's able to turn the whole thing around and pretend to be Michael, mm-hmm. uh, to- Toby calls Jim, Michael, really. And yeah. um, and then uh, Michael's like, get out of the chair. Like, let me, let me take the phone call. And then he immediately hangs up on Toby. I noticed the exact same thing. I was When I was watching him last night, I made that exact same observation where it was like, he just hangs up on Toby. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like, if this is, like, the beginning of, like, the writing of Michael right. hating Toby, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. It's, like, the well, best story. One thing I noted is, like, whatever Dwight... Dwight paid, like, 130 bucks for his lightsaber. He, he did. His whole costume. He says the whole costume cost $129. Well, well, it was, like, I know how much that lightsaber costs in real life. Like, wow, you really overpaid for that lightsaber, buddy. Yeah, he. I mean, a lightsaber like that is it's one of those cheap, like, fold-out ones. He couldn't have spent, yeah. what, 20 bucks on it? Maybe yeah. 30. And then a robe. He bought, a, he bought like, not even, like, probably not even official Jedi or Sith Lord robe. It just looked like... I mean, he could uh, too pointy for my taste. So if that robe was white, he probably would have gotten a lot of trouble. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, that's funny. I, uh, I have no idea how that like he could have made the hundred and ten dollar difference for that robe. Well, that's a thing too, because not every. I mean, because like we know, the hundred dollar lightsaber is the Force Effects lightsaber. Yeah. We all know it because we're all Star Wars fans, but I'm wondering like if that was a thing. But also, too, maybe it was like a Party City thing because Party City overcharges for costumes because like that's supply true. and demand. And he also did put on makeup. That's he clearly, true. he clearly like whitened up his face. He did, yeah. I mean, when Jim gets called into the office and Dwight like puts the hood on, yeah, and like he just looks at Pam. I mean, that's well, uh... the shot. The shot with um with him and Michael, and Michael's pretending to talk to his second head, and he, they they shoot Dwight in profile so that like half the hood is over his face, so you yeah. just see his mouth, and it's so beautiful. It's so like clearly yeah. a Star Wars fan shot that episode. <laughs> because they're like, I know exactly how to frame. I know exactly where to put Dwight. Like it's gonna look awesome. Well, it's funny too because the beginning of that scene, like Michael is listening to Dwight. Yeah. Um, but then, like when Dwight like kind of gives up and just starts naming anybody in the office. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like, great. It's a great Dwight yeah. episode. Like, yeah. Dwight has a lot of really funny moments. He has the line of, like, I know a billion Asians who would beg to differ. <laughs> and I always yeah. quote that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's a really funny uh, Dwight episode. I mean, it's a good season for Dwight, but ultimately it's a good episode, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, uh, this episode was written by Greg Daniels and directed by Paul Feig, who has also done Office Olympics this season and we'll do performance review and email surveillance later this season. Uh, that's actually this. This is only the second episode he's di- uh, directed for the show. He ends what was up, the first? Uh, first was Office Olympics. Office Olympics. Oh right, okay, you're right. So and his last, his last is Goodbye Michael. Yeah. So once Steve Carell leaves, he doesn't yeah. uh, he doesn't participate in the show as much anymore. What a what a what a fitting place to end a little bit. Yeah, this, I mean, because the show also takes a turn um, after Michael leaves because too, he's yeah. a main character, you know. So the humor yeah. that goes in the office is different, also. Right. Well, I, although he did, he did, didn't he do like a cameo appearance, like in like season eight or season nine? The, well, he does a very in. I mean, during the finale, he's in that one. Is there... it, well, I know he, there's one where like Andy goes to like, or maybe that's the same episode. I'm confusing it. It's where he goes to like audition for something, and there's a dude with like a cat. On top of a dog, and there's like a mouse on top of the cat. Um, that's like during his like America's Got Talent. 
Yeah, it's during I season nines, but right, it's before he it's gets at the to, wedding. Yeah, well, when Michael shows up, it's at the wedding. Yeah. There's rumors of him being in. Oh no, I'm talking about Paul Feig. Oh, oh. Paul Feig. Oh, so you're talking about yeah. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Yeah. Uh, no, Steve Carell, yeah, yeah no, there was that rumor where he appeared in that, that trivia episode, like he was in a beard and stuff. Oh, right. that, could be. that could be. Yeah, but no, I was talking about Paul Figa. He did that cameo for that one episode. Yeah. Yep, yep. Looking at his picture now, definitely the guy from uh, that episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I noted was, so Oscar cross-dresses oh. in this episode. Mm-hmm. That he does. And Michael makes a joke about how, like, I bet you could wish you could dress like that every day. Um. Because so me and Jacob are always trying to wonder when character arcs start to come. Like when did the writers decide it was going to be a thing, or what had happened before that just happened to fit with what happens later? Right. Um, And this is one of those occasions where obviously being gay doesn't necessarily mean you cross dress. More than often than not, doesn't cross dressing is a very special thing. But um, yeah, yeah. Are they trying to hint that Oscar? Is going to be gay, or I, I mean, I think it's a one-off. I think it just happens to fit nicely with gay witch hunt, but yeah, right. But I mean, will you know he's gay by sometime oh, this season? Uh, the, the, like, the end of briefly, yeah. Valentine's Day. That's when you know for sure. So it is this season. Yeah, it is so. this season. Um, let's see. Yeah, because Dwight's following him around. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of speaking of cross-dressing, it's funny that Michael points that out because I made a note about at the end where he's talking about his previous Halloween costumes. He says he went as Monica Lewinsky twice. Twice. Now here's the here's the thing about the twice part. He says he it was a stained dress. Yeah. So we we have to presume that Michael stained this dress himself. Yep, yep. I, I, he has that dedication. Did well, he did, did no, he stain don't... it twice, or was it the second time around? Was it a two year old jizz stain? <laughs> Man, that's something I never thought about, and now I'll never yeah. be able to watch that episode again. Thank you. Also, like, also, like, he he implies that like he dressed as as Malcolmsky like two or three years ago at this point, so that would have been like two thousand four. Now, I was a little young at that point, but was Monica Lewinsky a big thing in pop culture still in 2004? No, not really. We had pretty much moved Michael on. Michael always strikes me as somebody who either is like, his finger is right on the pulse or it's way off the pulse. Well, that's the thing. I think um, he holds on to things longer than the things yeah. are actually things. Yeah. yeah. Well, because so he did OJ, like you said, like four or five years ago, and... OJ really hasn't been relevant since it's like the 90s. Yeah. yeah, I mean he is now. It's been a big year for him now. But yeah, yeah back in yeah. that middle. Yeah, yeah. OJ's making a comeback. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got one more note here. Um, so ultimately, we all know who gets fired. It's Devin. Yeah. Uh, who comes back in the show during the finale? Yeah. Um. So during Devin's whole spiel about like, you know, who can come to Poor Richards? Yeah. There are like certain people who are not invited. Michael, Angela, Dwight, I think are the main ones who don't get invited to go. Yeah, but ultimately um, Creed is the one he wants to signal out. Right, that's true too. Yeah. But, uh, but Dwight is the guy in charge during the finale. And he rehires Devin after yeah. Creed's fake death. He mm-hmm. has that little line. He's like, I even rehired Devin. Yeah, so, I mean, that shows even if Devin doesn't like Dwight, at least Dwight had positive feelings for Devin. I never thought about that. That's funny. You're absolutely yeah. right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, one thing I find that's funny also is we, because they're trying to find a way to not fire anybody. Mm-hmm. And Michael goes to the accountant's like, I need you to find like 50 grand yeah. in the books. And Angela's like, yeah, there's one, one department. And they just keep their mouth shut the entire time. They're like, nope. She's, her line is like, "There's one, there's one department with three people that could be doing the job of two. That's yeah. great. Yeah, like, also... great. Which one is it? And Kevin yeah. just like looks like. Well, no, that's funny too. That Kevin's the one who like picks up. Yeah, he's, on it. yeah, he's the one who gets it. Which is like even like it's it's so funny how like this season Kevin is he's not far different from the the seasons of Kevin to come, but like compared to like season nine Kevin, those two Kevins are pretty much. 50-50. Yeah, well, they, they, they dumb them down, and actually it's something they mock in the show. Is that yeah. they, they make a, I don't remember which episode it is, but Angela says something about, we know that he's getting worse. Oh. Yeah. Like, it's very... Yeah, there's one where he literally, like, gives up on saying so many words. Like, he right. speaks in, like... Oh, that's right. Two, yeah, he's like, two, two to four words max. He's like, why say when others understand or whatever like that, like skipping all that. When me am president, they They see. They see. They see. see. (laughs) Um, You know, and it's interesting, too, because in season one, Angela and Kevin have that bit after the downsizing is revealed where Angela's kind of like, you know, she's like, it'll probably be me. And Kevin, who isn't yet the Kevin we come to know and love by the end of the show, is like, yeah, it'll probably be you. Because, like, that Kevin is not, like, totally a dum-dum. No. He's yeah. just brutally honest. Yeah. Right. And then of course, and then me and my girlfriend just happened to watch to the um, the F- Holly's first episode, uh, Goodbye Toby. Uh huh. And then in that episode, they actually play up that Kevin has a learning disability. <laughs> and we yeah. were just cracking up by like how Kevin is still acting like Kevin. It just so yeah. perfectly fits with like how Holly's treating him. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's great. Another thing I, I wrote down is, uh, so Dwight, he tries to, quote, unquote, leverage this offer, right? And, right. you know, I'm like, well, that's some foreshadowing because there's a couple of times where people leverage offers in the show. Most notably yeah. is um, the guy from Stanford, Josh. Right. He, oh, he yeah. leverages yeah. offers from Staples. I'm like, so is this some foreshadowing or just interesting I writing? I think it's just business. I think it's business Same. talk. Like, that's how they talk shop. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, like a typical thing in the office kind of thing. Like, I figure, like, if you're sitting in the office writer's room, they, like, have a board of, like, okay, what are our conflicts this season? And, like, <laughs> what pose conflicts in office culture? Yeah. So I'm sure, like, somebody who... I'm sure this show was full filled with so many moments for people who, like, genuinely work in office-style environments. Like, that, they go, oh, my God, that is such a big thing in the real world. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, there's a lot about this show that's true in terms of offices. Because, I mean, I work in an office every day, so... Oh, so yeah, you can tell exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I, I know a Michael or I know a Toby. Oh, yeah. Is this the beginning of us know? I mean, because, like, the crazy thing about Dwight is how many fandoms he has. Yeah. But is this, like, the first episode where we really talk about his love of, like, martial arts, maybe? I was thinking about that. Um, he, I mean, it's on his resume, or he rather he wants it. Added right, he wants it to add to his resume. And we um, haven't even talked about the whole B storyline of them trying to get him a job in uh, – Right, Cumberland, Cumberland Mills. Cumberland Mills. It's, it, a, it's a really, it's a really great little Jim and Pam plot, and it has like that really sad, kind of awkward moment where she says that maybe he could do better outside of Dunder Mifflin, and he takes that really hard. Yeah, which you know I I don't get. I mean, there's a lot of like, 
I know Jim like likes her or whatever, but man, is yeah. is he being overly sensitive in the in yeah? That scene? It definitely is. Definitely is doing any kind of office rewatch now as a twenty-one-year-old who's like done all of the like gym-style fawning over women and all that good stuff. Like being an older person now and watching the gym that I thought I connected to so heavily. Mm. I mean, maybe I did as a younger man, but now it's a little <laughs> harder to watch the tactics that he uses because it's a little selfish. It's a little like, ah, oh, buddy, you shouldn't be so wrapped up like this. Right. Yeah. It- and like, but like it's it's drama, it's television. That's how television works. Ultimately, I gotta remind myself that that's just it's a story device. Well, it's super obvious too that she is meaning well. Yeah, you know, she's like you're skilled and you deserve more money and better opportunities because yeah. I respect you. And Jim's like, you don't want me here. Like, right, and which is understandable if like you if you could put yourself in that mindset. But yeah, it's a little over dramatic. Yeah. Um. Jacob, did you have something? To yeah, add? well, this is where you really. This is more, more continuation of the whole jam, Jim Pam thing, because especially, especially, especially because at the end he's like, you know, if she wasn't Jim. here, I would leave. So that's when I don't know if he's he's ever come out and said it, particularly like how much he cares for her. Like, yeah, you, you know it's you know it's there, but this is just like if you haven't caught all the hints. He's in love with it, right. that kind of moment. Yeah. Speaking of that exchange, too, I will say, watching it like in 2016, it's kind of jarring to hear Pam say, uh, I'll blow my brains out. A little bit, yeah. Um, because, like, obviously because society. But society. Um, yeah. and like 2005, I guess that was less of a thing. Like, you could say blow your brains out in a comedy show, and people weren't, like, thinking about the horrible atrocities that were actively happening today. Yeah, I mean, it'll always be there. It's always about whether we notice it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, again, I guess because I, I'm so aware of, like, how sensitive Jim is being. So, like, that in- yeah. interaction. So, like, her saying blow her brains out makes Jim feel better, and it's, like, such a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little morose, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. That, I think that's that's all I got for this episode, Jacob. I mean, you, you write tons of notes, so maybe yeah, maybe well, you got uh... You know, yeah, I had a few notes too, so go ahead. They're yeah. just, and this will kind of go into the maybe sort of the rating stuff, or we can keep talking. But like this, I, I didn't, and I don't know why, but like this time around with this episode, I didn't remember it. At, I didn't wasn't as I didn't remember it as fondly as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Like I was rewatching, I'm like, man, this this episode's kind of pointless. <laughs> like all it's there is the fire Devin, and you get Creed speaking for the first time, and that's about it. It's a good character episode, I think. It's because it, you you get that in a lot of shows. Like you have shows that are important for the character, and then you have sh- or you have episodes that are important for the character, and then you have episodes that are important for the plot, for the art. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't watch a lot of like modern sitcoms anymore. But like, yeah. it was awesome buying like the disc set of the Office seasons. Yeah. But- Looking back at it now with, like, all the drama shows I watched, like, 23 to 24 episodes is, like, crazy. It's, like, yeah, so much TV. Because, like, I wait forever for Game of Thrones, and that's on for, like, two months, and it's over. Right. You're, you're watching The Office from, like, what is it? It's, like, September till May, generally. Like December. Usually, usually May or June. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they take that winter break. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so it's like so much. So yeah, I guess and there are even, episodes and even like so, this. like now where you have things like you can go and watch Stranger Things the entire season in like one afternoon. Yeah, 
Yeah. So 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 many episodes seems kind of crazy, especially yeah. starting in season four where they have a lot of those like two parts or forty minute episodes. Yeah, they do those hour long like mm-hmm. one. <laughs> that was episode. due to the writer strike. Writer strike, yeah. Writer strike, and because it was a summer season too, that they could get away with more. If they, I think they only had like what twelve, ten episodes that season. Uh yeah, uh, let's see. It was see. like a half season. It was basically a half. Um, 19 total episodes. Oh, really? But, but that's with that's five like two-parters. So that includes all the, all the two-parters. So right. yeah, really, it's probably, it's probably like 12 or 13. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting that way. Was it really a... I mean, it really wasn't a summer season it ran pretty normally was it oh i thought it was like it was a weird like it came out during a weird time uh i mean it premiered late it premiered on the 27th september and then was pretty normal oh okay september well the thing in the writer strike happened so there's a there was a gap between november and april that there were no episodes oh it's like a longer break than normal for that winter stuff also, yes. I think John Krasinski, I think a couple of people on that show were filming movies at that point. Well, I know at the end of season... Uh, is season... No, at the end of season three, I know John Krasinski was doing Leatherheads, which is like why he's got that weird haircut at the end of the season. Yeah, he's got, that and... Uh, as, I don't know if it's season four, that same season where he like he had, sh- he had to shave his head for Jarhead. <coughs> so he's totally wearing a, like, a full-on wig at a certain point. Was he in Jarhead? I think he was in some military movie. It wasn't a big role. It wasn't like he was a, a, a lead title. He was like an extra or a, a background character. But uh, yeah, he had to like cut his hair pretty short to be in military. And so yeah, they had to give him a wig. And that's why like, I think it's like it's around the Karen era where he start, or starts dating Karen. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that's the end of season three because then yeah, the okay. season ends with um, the job. Yeah, that, at that point, he's wearing a wig. It's, it's really noticeable. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'll have to look for that. I haven't noticed it yet. <laughs> Uh, you you noted that this is the first episode we hear Creed talk. Is that true? This is yep. true. Because mm-hmm. this is like the first episode that I fall in love with Creed. Because <laughs> like that the, the the juxtaposition of the exchange between him and Michael, where Michael's like, you know, you you, you want something better, you want to leave, and Creed's like, no, no. I want to stay, I want to stay right here. I'm good. And then you cut, and then when he goes and brings Devin in, Devin's like, you had it right the first time, <laughs> Creed, get Creed, man. <clears throat> I mean, it's also Devin's first talking episode, which is funny because he got the uh, the Dundee for like the most talkative or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, really? No, uh, Dwight calls him out because he doesn't want talking during the presentation parts. Oh, So it's yeah. like no talking, and that includes you, Devin, and Devin hasn't said anything up until that That's point. That's right. <laughs> I think that was probably a little, like, insider joke because I know, like, you notice the first season, there's so many interchanging, like, background characters that aren't even in the show by season two. Right. So I think that, that was probably, like, an insider joke of, like, haha, there's that background character that we always use, but we never have anything to write for. <laughs> yeah. Now, what's funny is how um, Creed Bratton, the actor, pulled in his real life into the backstory of Creed Bratton, the yeah. character. Because in real life, he was a lead singer of the Grassroots. And was he a lead singer? I thought he was just a guitarist. He was a guitarist. He was a guitarist. Oh, okay. okay. Still. Yeah. Uh, so he was in that. And he's, I heard an interview with him. He said that his, his basis for the character was he had to, like, he took too many drugs, accidentally got on a bus, and wound up in Scranton. And yeah. then he just started working at Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll totally... I, that's, that's the thing about Creed is like he's kind of like the Joker. You don't know 
You don't want to know exactly what his backstory is. You want to let your mind fill in all the blanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So any any closing thoughts before we get to the ratings of this episode? Uh, yeah, I got a couple of notes. Yeah. That, uh, I, there's one character I think that we don't ever see their costume. You guys, did you guys notice who it was? There, there's one brief moment at the end where we do see their costume. I'm gonna say, is it Meredith? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I can't think of what her costume was. Because you only see her when everybody's walking out the door at the end to go to Poor Richards, and it looks like she's like she's at, she might be she might be um, Lucy Liu's character in Kill Bill, <laughs> but she's got like what looks like a like a decapitated head or like a like a, a scalped head. Oh. So maybe that maybe that's what who she was. Maybe she was Oranishi. I'm not sure, but you see her like briefly as they're all walking out the door, and she's in the foreground, so it's a little blurry. Uh, but yeah, that might have been another thing of like maybe the censors didn't want. <laughs> to the camera to be on that image too much so they only caught her at the end. Huh. Yeah, Kill Bill came out three years prior in 2003, but I mean, yeah. that's super possible. I mean, that's much more recent than that could be who Monica was. Lewinsky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also noticed that I don't think Ryan has any lines in this episode at all. Yep, that would make sense. That could be. Yep. And it's and I, it's so funny that he's like he's always included ever since season one as like as a, a key major character player. Like is is he's credited as B J Novak in the beginning credits. Yeah, and episodes is... like this where he doesn't even talk. I think it's because he's a writer. Maybe I and mean, he was a producer too at some point early on, right? Yeah. Mm. But then Mindy Kaling was a writer too, and she doesn't yeah. get opening credit intros for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I... does so does Toby. Toby writes a lot of them. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I. Maybe I don't know what it is, and that's just weird. Yeah, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't have a. I don't think he had any lines on the episode. Uh, and then other than other than noticing that Michael give, tries to give Devin the Chili's gift card, that's all the uh, notes I have. <laughs> yeah, it's goddamn Chili's, man. I wonder. I wonder how much money he spent at Chili's. <laughs> I mean, in this season alone, tons. <laughs> yeah. He gives chilies a lot of money, and it's probably all the same chilies because there's probably only one chilies in Scranton. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know Good if it's anything chilies. like here in Pittsburgh, but there's almost no chilies in the entire city. There's like three of them. Really? Yeah. Well, I like I like to think that um, he thinks of chilies as like a fancy place because all the other yeah. restaurants are like mom and pops. Right. So like this is like chilies though. You know, yeah, like, it's corporate. He he works for a corporation, so it makes sense that he would be drawn to a corporation. Yeah, yeah. All right, so so let's get to ratings because we got three more episodes to cover. So, uh, Jacob, you got numbers? Uh, I like I said, this one I don't know. Maybe it's because I just wasn't in the mood for it or whatever. Just didn't hit me well. So I gave it a uh, two out of five. Fired Devins. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I, you know what? You're not too far off from my own rating. I gave it a 2.7 out of 5 cross-dressing Oscars. <laughs> uh, Nate, I don't know if you prepared any ratings, but you want to uh, you I, give me, I can just give you one right off the, right off the cuff. Um, yeah. I would say I'd, I, I'm being a little bit more generous with it, so I'd probably say a 3 out of 4 Chili's gift cards. Hey, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, good. The next episode <laughs> we get into is The Fight. Uh, written by or directed by King Quapis and written by Gene Stupinski and Lee Eisenberg. Uh, and this this episode revolves around uh, Dwight's karate and him punching Michael, and then Michael getting really pissed off about it. 
And you also have the storyline of him needing to sign the papers. Because it's yeah. like the expense reports and a couple other things. Yeah, a bunch of like paperwork housekeeping he's got to yeah. do. Yeah, and they all they genuinely don't all happen, but like once a year it all happens on the same day, and Michael puts it off. Perfect start. Yeah, puts it off. It comes up a lot in this show. There's always like these important days that Michael like always leads yeah. to to the day of. Like that couple of times where Michael just feels deathly ill and Dwight's super concerned about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the cold open for this episode was uh, the famous Jim hiding Dwight's desk in the bathroom. Which one, of, is like, one of his best pranks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, so that's when it feels like a lot of the cold opens start with Jim pranks. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good uh, excuse for yeah. a cold open. I think my favorite bit about it is that Dwight just sits down and goes to work. Yeah, and like, every time, every time he says "wash your hands," Kevin, I laugh hysterically. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It's hilarious. And Kevin's got that candle. Yeah. Yeah, he comes out with a candle. <laughs> We've already established in the show that he does destroy a bathroom. So it's true. Yeah. So if, if he's not quite old, dumb, Kevin, he's still yeah. poopy, Kevin. Yeah, the old "don't go in there" award winner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was he, watching the cold open. I'm like, man, how did he get the desk in there? That's a pretty tight area. Yeah, yeah it is a little, a little too too, uh, too good to be true. Well, I mean, maybe so. Like, how much power out? Like, he got he got a phone in there, so I guess he had to like wrap cords like through the under the door and stuff. You can you see that? You do see the oh, phone cord underneath the door. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. It's coming from that supply closet that eventually becomes Ryan's, Ryan's office. office. Uh, okay. I forget. I think it's um, conflict resolution or something like that, uh-huh. where all of uh, all the pranks are being listed, and Jim starts to get like, "Oh man," I think um, I think that even might start to be his like time where he's thinking about um, leaving, or maybe I'm confusing. Yeah, when it's, later, it's, it's later. It's it's later. Late season two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's, actually, I think it's the one right before Casino Night. Yeah, yeah. Because he gets he, it's all yep. about like Pam planning for the wedding, and he gets uncomfortable and tries like avoiding that he brought that up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so I bring that up because I mean Jim puts a lot of work into a lot of these things. There's that time yeah, yeah. he has the uh, the copper cable or whatever that goes up to the damn telephone line. Yeah, you see Dwight <laughs> climbing up the pole behind him. Yeah. I mean, the thing that always confused me is how he built quad desk. Um, because so it's the two desks with the one desk in the center. Where the hell does the chair go? How does he get up there? That's what <laughs> I, I want to know. We never see behind the desk. Maybe there's another desk and he stacked a jet. I don't know. It's it's very unsafe. Yeah, no matter I think what. he <laughs> builds like a false floor for his chair or whatever. It's crazy. Um, so uh, let's see. Some notes I have for this episode is um, so Michael brings up in a talking head that uh, about like a friend who has a dentist appointment that isn't really yeah. a dentist appointment. So Yeah, coup, I noticed that too. Yeah, and the coup has not yet happened. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely some foreshadowing there about eventually Dwight will have an appointment that's not an appointment. Yeah. yeah this was just one of those, like, it was It was like not necessarily an inco- inconsequential episode, but it was like one of those episodes where they were probably mapping out the season and went like, no, well, we could squeeze that in between these episodes instead. Well, if I look at it, because the production code for this episode is 2007, and the coup, I don't know where the hell the coup is. It's not oh, season not, three. 
that's even happened. Okay, so yeah, right, that's right. just a totally random comment. Yeah. Oh. That's weird. That that, that that doesn't it totally feel like a season two episode though? But yeah, it is a season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, the Stanford people are already in yeah. at Thunder Mifflin when the coup that's happens. That's one of the big things about it. Yeah. Because Andy keeps writing Dwight and Michael about it. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a weird foreshadowing moment. Maybe that was something they had planned in season two. Yeah. Or since season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. Maybe, maybe they just, maybe when they were doing the coup, one of the writers like, hey, remember how we had Michael say, you know, there wasn't. Yeah, we got to fulfill that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We made that promise. We need to offer. So, so as we said, the A storyline really is this this fight that happens between Michael and Dwight, and um, yeah. Michael, or rather, Dwight is kind of like all about this karate stuff that he's been doing. He just got. What it is? It's it's a big gym prank. Because Jim like first catches wind of Kevin or uh, Dwight's uh, karate background, yeah, and so he kind of stokes the flames about kind of orchestra. Oh, it's to avoid. He's trying to avoid something too. I can't remember what it is. Oh, you think he's like also kind of procrastinating a bit? Yeah, he's procrastinating with something, so he 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 makes this diversion. I guess to probably just to prank uh, Michael as well to distract him. But yeah, he stokes the flames where he tries to get Michael in the mood to fight Dwight. Yeah. Yeah, there's really no B storyline proper because yeah. this fight is kind of tied into the whole not signing the paperwork thing. Which right, that's one reason they he wanted to do the fight so he could not work for a while. Yeah. Um, what so, else did I have? Yeah. I uh, I felt bad because so this is when the he gets Ryan to do the emergency contact stuff. Yeah, that's what And I was like, about. after re- watching it this time, it's very obvious the reason he did that was just to get Ryan's phone number. Yep. Yeah. At, at this point, he doesn't have it. So, and I just feel so bad for Ryan. Like, my note is just poor Ryan. Because <laughs> he's always you get, you get a lot of really funny moments with all the other characters. Like, with Kevin, he's like, so who's your emergency contact? And they just do a tight zoom in onto his face, and it's just a beat. AC. <laughs> You know, but it's interesting, too, that uh, Michael's trying to get Ryan's number because we know Ryan has Michael's he number it, in the fire. And he got the fight, yeah. yeah. Well, During I mean, the fire. Wouldn't you the change fire, your fire, phone yeah. number if Michael Scott had your phone number? Because oh, yeah. I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and then you find out that uh, Toby still uses his ex-wife as his his emergency contact. It's yeah, so that's such a sad thing. Yeah, he's like, you don't have to write X. Yeah, you, you don't have to write X. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Um, so I found this interesting uh, note here is that the dude who plays Sensei, I- Sensei Ira. Yeah. Uh, it's an actor named Lance Crawl. Okay. Uh, I've seen him in something. I think he, he was in something else, but I forget right now. Anyways, uh, he's an actual martial art expert. He holds Ooh. a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Hmm. Right on. So there you go. So, uh, but he doesn't like do anything. He he just instructs all the kids, and then he watches the fight. But he doesn't he doesn't do anything that's karate like. So not really. Of, no. Yeah, he's kind of overqualified. To, <laughs> not really. Like he, they, they can only afford him so much. Like like he'll he'll be on camera for like ten grand. But if you want him to do martial arts, it's like fifty grand. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then just to jump to the end, there's like a funny bit where like the end of the episode actually goes back to the fighting of it. Yeah. And um, I think it's Michael beating Dwight with his helmet. Yeah. Um, but like everybody's laughing, which leads me to believe that that was more of a blooper than anything. Yeah, probably an outtake. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So did you get the feeling that Dwight threw that fight? Because I kind of did. Like he was oh, yeah. he was never gonna beat Michael. That's just how that's just the long and short of it. Yeah, I think he dishonored his his boss too much by like he didn't want to. He just kind he he just kind of rolled onto his back and was like a puppy dog. Wow, you guys give him more credit than I do. I I think this is just another example of like Dwight touting this badass guy attitude and like totally yeah. faltering when it's put to the test. Because how many situations would he put in where he actually has to, like, put up? Well, uh, I don't think I don't think there's any other instance where he gives up or he he loses on his own terms. Like he doesn't give up really. He kind of has everybody turn him away. Like when he like during the drug testing one, where he comes as a sheriff. Like the only reason he kind of gives up is because he feels like he's not important. Well, I mean, it's things. Well, because like there's nobody of real authority in the room to stop him because like he's yeah. this deputized whatever not yeah. a, but then like the cops say you can't do that and then he calls right. corporate they're like oh well then they'll just send a drug test because i couldn't figure it out yeah. even the bit where um it's even like smaller moments where dwight's walking through that door but he doesn't want to go in front of jim because 70 percent of attacks come from the rear and then yeah. jim slaps him because dwight never expects someone to actually call him out on his stuff and i and i think in his head he really he thinks that yeah. he is as good as he tells people. Right, but there are other times where, you know, he does react in, you know, sort of a badass way, you know, like... Um, yeah. Like when Roy comes in? Like with the one with Roy, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, that, And that's why I don't think he's faking it. I just think that the, the two idiots here, Michael and Dwight... Yeah. Like they just kind of call each other's bluff, and Michael is the bigger idiot and goes further. For the most part, yeah, that's probably more it. Than because else. also, too, Dwight is the oldest person in his class. If, if we're led yeah. to believe that the class he was participating in was a bunch of kids, you know. And then that's... they go back to it too, like in season nine, where he like has a, his new sensei come in, and like it was clearly he was just at a kid's uh, yeah. karate right. class. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and not to take away his purple belt. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a belt against kicking somebody's padded thing. Yeah. Um, um yeah, I mean there's there's that really awkward bit if we're gonna go back to the jam storyline. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to talk about awkward. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, but, I, okay, yeah. go ahead. Well, I get why Pam does it. I mean she's engaged. Yeah. And, she, and she's never for a long while really sure about how she feels about Jim. Like she knows she likes him, but I think she goes in and out of moments where, like, does she like him in such a way that she wants a relationship? Uh-huh. Or, or can she, like, fool herself into thinking, like, they're just really good friends and, like, you know, well, she... Well, by the, by the next episode, in comparison or contrast or whatever, she's really chummy with him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, where they go up on the roof and, like, they do the whole threat level midnight thing, like, that was, that's really, uh, it's a little polarizing there. But, and they, but they're alone, you know? Yeah. True. So it, it's when Meredith turns around here is when Pam kind of snaps out of like the yeah right. right. If no one had looked at her, she probably would have just played with it and did something. She you know. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't have let it got out of hand, but yeah, she probably would have been a little more open to it. Um, also, the only, I mean, you see some Jenna Fisher tummy here, which is pretty great. I'll just, yeah. I'll just put that out there. Ain't she adorable? She's adorable. Um, yeah, and then that that's a real uncomfortable bit because then. Uh, they have that like non-shared moment where Jim leaves the sour cream and onion sun chips or whatever on her desk. 
Yeah. They don't like reconcile in person, but like he gives her the chips and she sees and she knows that they're still okay. And then like they just kind of go back to business as usual, we assume, the next yeah. day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always awkward when the show wants to be awkward. Like they don't, they know yeah. exactly what to do. And they did it. And I felt uncomfortable. And I've seen that episode a thousand times. Right, right. Same here. I was just, that's, a, that's the best way to put it. They, they know how to go for the gut. Yeah. And so at the very end, they start, they like, uh, all start signing Michael's name on the forms and like, this is illegal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is one of those things that would definitely get Dwight or Michael fired. Yeah. That's not good at all. That's totally probably illegal to, to, to a certain degree. Well, depending, if, like, depending on what sorry. those exact forms are, it is completely illegal. Yeah. Yeah. It's fraud. And. Yeah, depending, especially depending on what the documents are. Yeah, I wonder yeah, if they uh, if they just do that moving forward because obviously we never hit a perfect storm day again. Yeah. So like, and obviously this is the first time they've ever done it this way. So I wonder if like every time this happens, everybody's like, "All right, let's just forge a signature so we can get out of here." Maybe, maybe that just became their uh, their go to tactic. Yeah, because there's no way Michael like shapes up and does his job. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> There's no yeah, way. Or maybe there was a change in policy and like corporate stopped asking for it that way. That'd be nice. Yeah. That, that'd like, be a dream come true. Just one piece of paper at the end of the day. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, so because there's like the pretty straightforward storyline, I don't have like too many comments about it. It kind of like is yeah. all really a cohesive episode that just does the same thing throughout. Yeah. Uh, the shot of Jim doing the jet snap behind Michael as he uh, confronts Dwight in the kitchen we do see a little bit of dwight's weird fascination with indian culture because he kind of like does this thing with kelly again yeah where he's like let me take you from behind and she's like what the hell kelly's yeah. still being normal kelly not like valley girl kelly yeah <clears throat> but we do find out during diversity day that um dwight has like a thing for indians for the most part you get yeah. Yeah. all that yeah yeah so I, I think this is kind of a continuation of that train of thought um, and then, of course, more Toby hate. He's like, why don't you leave the room right now? And yeah. Toby just like, kind of resigned. So he's like, all right. <laughs> Poor Topes. Yeah. I feel sorry for him. This is, you also get one of the great Michael Scott quotes probably ever is, you know, I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that was my yearbook quote in high school, my senior yearbook quote. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean I, I don't want to feel like we're doing not doing this episode justice. So who else has notes? Anybody else? Uh, no, we pretty much hit everything. Like like you said, there's uh, yeah, it's really straightforward. We do find out that Dwight's grandfather was a Nazi. Yep. Uh, yep. Spent ten months in heart disease all of his life. <laughs> yeah. It's a different well, kind speaks. of fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, no, I'm ready to hop to the ratings. Why not? All right. So uh, I'm, I'm Nate. Let's start with you, buddy. Okay, what would I give it? Um, hmm. I would give it, say, 7 out of 10 emergency contact numbers. <laughs> all right, all right. I like it. Um, you know, I, I went on the low side. I gave it a 2 out of 5 points. Okay. Um, it, because, so similar to how uh, Jacob no felt about pants. the previous episode. That's right. <laughs> no points for pants. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I feel like this episode is also kind of filler. Nothing really happens. There's no, you know, yeah. just kind of something for them to do. So it's not, yeah. it's not bad to watch, but when we're talking about the, uh, the show as a whole, it's just kind of a thing that just happens. Yeah. 
So I'm going to give it three out of five stolen purple belts. Whoa, big numbers from Jacob. I liked yeah. it. It's a it's yeah. a fun episode. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it's it. A great character episode. Yeah. Yeah, you get you know the stuff with Dwight and Michael, and I, don't know, I think it's funny. So you well, know, if you got to like I said, when like when there's the gag where Ryan goes to each character for their contact information, you get a lot of little side moments that are really funny. Like the Toby bit is really interesting. Yeah. The Kevin bit is funny. Or Dwight's even, even like, like Michael getting his num- getting Ryan's number and crank calling him as Michael Jackson. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say uh, we didn't talk about it, and I, I mean, we probably should have. But technically speaking, Michael unofficially promotes Dwight from assistant to the regional yeah. manager to assistant yeah. regional manager. Yep. Probationary, yeah. but yeah. Right, with no pay benefits or title change or business card upgrades or anything like that. But uh, I like how Dwight's first <laughs> instinct, his first question is, so will this will be my office? Yeah. yeah he's well, like, he just wants the status symbol, the power to show uh, that he's he better than everybody, right? Really famous, or really, uh, my, well, like my favorite line maybe the whole episode is his line. It just made me bust up laughing so much where he goes, um, did I want to harm Michael, the one person I was paid to protect? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's another like reality check into like Dwight's twisted perception of his role. Yeah, he's so machismo. He's so like Terminator mode all the time. <laughs> all right, so uh, the next episode is the client. Um, it was written by Paul Lieberstein, who is Toby, Toby. directed by Greg Daniels, who is the showrunner at the time. Uh, it's special guest starring Tim Meadows of. Um, yes. He was on Saturday Night Live. Yep. Yeah, he was the ladies' man. Yeah, and um, it takes us back to our favorite family restaurant, Chili's. Yes. <laughs> um, Jan Levinson Gould, up oh, no Gould, she's in it. Right. Uh, we get some uh, storyline progress with Jan, and then, um, as you guys had mentioned too, then there's a there's a separation between what they're doing and then the office that stumble yep. upon Threat Level Midnight, the script, mm-hmm. and decide to do a live reading of it. Um, this was a good episode. Yes, yeah. this is a this is a classic, especially because you bring in Threat Level Midnight. Yeah. Uh, w- one thing um, that did change in the movie is in when they show the movie in what, like season seven. Season seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. He they were married and she's dead, but in oh, this right. one he, she's like the secretary or something. Yeah. 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 Like her name is just Captain Zeta Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that that's true. Yeah. There. I mean, well, Golden Face is still the uh, the following, like the the villain of the whole thing. Right. 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 Um, played by Oscar here. Eventually, it's actually played by Jim. Right. right. Um, and then there's no Samuel L. Chang in the next in the in the movie version anyway. Yeah, they replaced him with the Dwight's Butler character. Right. He's um, just a uh, yeah a Butler robot. Is Ryan's uh, impression offensive? <laughs> I forget it, brother. Yeah, I bet. Honestly, I bet Michael typed it that way. Oh, yeah, you no, know he did. Yeah. That's the only reason Ryan would have did that access. Yeah, yeah that's... <laughs> Michael gave him that note. Yeah, that's a rough script. <laughs> One thing uh, I do like about this episode is, for all of Michael's faults, you see how good of a salesman he really is. Yeah, and he gives you a lot of back, a little bit of backstory in his uh, his speech to him, where he tells him about where he grew up and like kind of yeah. what interests him into sales and stuff. And that's kind of the most, 
mean, not the deepest backstory we get from Michael, but really detailed. Right. Considering like what little we do get ultimately in the end. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he knows how to. Like you can tell that Jane also doesn't know what the hell she's doing when it comes to sales and working in these yeah. small towns. And like you know, she'd probably be great in New York City where everyone's in a rush. But yeah, he's a you know, Michael, and he knows what he's doing. He knows fun. how to get the yeah. job. You know. Yeah. Well, and so working in an office where we have like a sales team that does part of this stuff, like it's it's a it's a really true dynamic that they share too. That like. Yeah. You've got your like really interpersonal salespeople who like really work on like becoming friends and a trusted person for your target, you know, person. Yeah. And then you get the other people who are really just like punching out spreadsheets and waiting for approval and stuff. You know, that's right. the, the big difference between Jan and Michael's selling style here. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I guess Jan is sent down because it's such a big sale, and they mm-hmm. are sending her down to make sure it gets like clenched. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she's the one who almost derails the whole damn thing. And like you said, really, Michael gets to shine with his like sale selling stuff. Yeah, and and we don't even know it till he seals it. Right, right. I mean, you get you get it, the yeah. feeling like once like the Tim Meadows character starts going along with like what Michael wants to do, like getting food and stuff. You get you feel like okay, Michael's got this. Like this is this is Michael's turf. This is his go-to game. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, right. Um, I also wrote down that I really miss the Awesome Blossom. Because uh, yeah. they are enormously tasty, but they got rid of them because they were terribly how, how unhealthy. Long, so bad, yeah. How how long has it been since the Awesome Blossom left this earthly existence? I don't know. Because I wonder if during this era, what year was this, what, 2006? This season? Uh, 2005. 2005? Probably 2005, 2006, yeah. I wonder because of Michael Scott did the sale of Awesome Blossoms peak <laughs> at any yeah, I did think Chili's, that's fair. Did Chili's business improve because of The Office? I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, what do you call it? Outback still has something like it. Blue and Onion. There's just the Blue and Onion, yeah, yeah. So they still do it. I wonder, actually, I wonder if uh, Outback and Chili's are owned by the same company. I wouldn't be surprised. That would make sense because most of those like chain restaurants are under family house like corporations. Yeah. So here's the fun thing about it. Uh, in 2008, Men's Health ranked the oh, yeah. Awesome Blossom as the worst appetizer because <laughs> it contained 2,700 calories. Jesus. <laughs> and the average, like, daily, like, recommended amount of calories to consume is, like, anywhere from 2,000 to 2,500. So, right. Yeah, so, it's like a whole day's worth of 200 food grams of carbs, appetizer. 203 grams of fat. <laughs> I mean, ideally, you're sharing this, so maybe it's like one third of that. But still. ideally, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's still that's, that's still terrible. like 900 calories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you know, I mean, I know uh, Jacob's been doing some fitness stuff on his own time, and I, you know, recently I've been starting to diet or whatever, and I was like, oh, onion rings must be a lot healthier than French fries if I got to go that way. But no, <laughs> fried oh. onion just is the worst thing ever. It's yeah. pure grease. Don't do it. <laughs> Believe me, I've been down that road too. I, I dieted and like took a year off and from fast food and lost a lot. But yeah, onion rings are yeah killer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what, what other, what other things here do we want to talk about? I mean, Jan reveals here that she is separated. I think really more official. She's straight up divorced from her previous husband, whose last name was Gould, which this is like the first time you really like, they really acknowledge that she's married, right? Yeah. I mean, we always call her Jan Levinson Gould. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, but I don't know. There, there's weird ass last names, so that could be just a weird yeah. last name. But obviously, it's a, an amalgam of hers and her husband's last name. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and Michael doesn't start off seemingly like he's not attracted to Jan at this point. I think all of their interactions have been really professional, aside from Michael being Michael. Right. Yeah, he maybe has a crush on her, but yeah, he at no like point he, does. He goes from zero to in love, like you know, like that. Yeah. 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 Because uh, they, sh- it's it's really for me. I mean, it's all the way at the end where they share that really awkward hug. Because like maybe it's because Michael she was Rangers. married. Maybe Michael doesn't like going after married women. Well, we find out that's not true later not, on. Not later on, yeah. Maybe yeah. he gets a taste for it later on. <clears throat> maybe at this point, like little innocent baby Michael doesn't want to try anything strange. Yeah. Well, Jan probably ruined him. Honestly, made made him the bad boy that he later became. Oh, Jan would break anybody. Like dating her, like that's not a good. Yeah, she'd break no, anybody. Not- uh, Tim Meadows does great. I think he's an awesome. I mean, I was always kind of sad that he never came back. I mean, there's really no reason for it. Yeah. But um, he's like, he was really good. Uh, it was a good, good pull for that that yeah. choice, that casting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to, to go back briefly on the uh, the whole Levinson Gould no longer Gould thing, it's a really nice little character moment for Michael. That's like, ultimately, Michael his his thing has always been he cares, he really does, like he means so well but he comes across it in the worst possible ways. Right. And so he like he wants to like have a moment with Jan like hey if you want to talk to somebody like I'm here to talk to you but he does it at the wrong time in the wrong way. Like is is Gould dead? Like what what happened? We want to talk about it? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Out of here? Well, that's the thing too. That for me that doesn't really indicate that Michael's got like a thing for her. Yeah, he just cares about people. Yeah, he's a people it, person. It, it goes into this whole trend that he has where, like, he doesn't treat his employees as employees, but they're all, like, friends and family and right. stuff. Best I think friends. that extends to, like, yeah, exactly. And I think that extends to, like, his upper management also. Well, ultimately, it's because he doesn't have a family of his own, so he sees the people he works with ultimately as his family. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, you also get another indication of just how little Michael thinks of Dwight in this episode. Because, yep, yep. you know, you learn that uh, he, Samuel L. Chang, who is basically the worst person in the entire world, is Dwight. Is Dwight. 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 Yeah. You got you to feel for Dwight at that moment. Yeah. A little bit. Um, right. And there's actually something I wrote down for maybe, I guess it was... Um, one of the earlier episodes with uh, when they're trying to get Dwight the job at Cumberland Mills mm-hmm. and Jim uh, takes the phone call as Michael. Yep. Uh-huh. And I had this like thought when I was watching it. And I was like, you know, these are all the things Michael should be saying directly to Dwight and just doesn't see it or won't see it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, even during, um, what is it, Traveling Salesman maybe? Or, the you know, and during the return and that whole time where Dwight leaves because of his whole helping Angela thing. The coup, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> or even after that. Oh, yeah, yeah that part. Yeah, yeah that, so I was like, he left once, a couple of times. Yeah, because yeah. once Andy's there. But uh, it's only then Michael realizes how essential Dwight is. And not even for, like, yeah. the reasons that Jacob just pointed out with, like, all the positive sales stuff. It's because Dwight waters the plants. He's loyal as hell. Right. Dwight yeah. rearranges the toys on his desk. And, yeah, he's he's loyal in a way that Andy shows up not to be. Right. Because um, Andy's a douche. Andy's, yeah. Well, he starts off as a douche. He later becomes an angel. And then he goes way downhill and becomes a trash bag that I fully blame the writers of this show for. Yeah, I, I'd we'll, agree. We'll get there. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Those were <clears throat> tough years to, like, fill in without 
uh, Steve Carell, but that Andy arc, man, that was a, that was messy. <laughs> yeah. If if by the end of our our run of this podcast, Jacob, I, I I hope maybe you could find some time to watch the UK Office, so we could put the parallels up of Andy's fall and uh, Ricky Gervais's fall. Huh? <clears throat> because that's that's why I think. And again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Paul, as, Paul as David Brent, or just Ricky <clears throat> Gervais as Ricky da- Gervais? David Brent. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, because obviously Michael is fine. He's got his happy ending. So I think they wanted yes, to follow yeah. that line, and they made Andy do it. And, and uh, Jacob doesn't like Andy a lot most of the time. I'm <laughs> I'm the one who puts uh, Andy on the pedestal. So the the end of the show is tough for me to watch Andy kind of mess I love, up. I love Andy pre-Aaron, but that's about it. Yeah, like, after a while. After Aaron start becoming a thing, like, no. Well, that's why they ruin it, because then they could have just been happy together. But they make Andy do some things that I feel are kind of uncharacteristic, and that's where they start to... Uh... Well, yeah, not even like where they start dating, but like where he like starts having feelings for her. Like There's some really funny bits there, but ultimately like that's that was a mistake, I thought. for They could have done something different. Because they ultimately just wanted to copy the Jim and Pam thing again with her and that, that new guy, Pete, or Plop, or whatever it was. <laughs> Plop. That's um, all he is, because he's a shit. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, another thing that comes out during uh, Threat Level Midnight is Michael's obsession with shooting things. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, uh, down the road we get to his improv class, and he always has a gun because it's the most exciting thing in the movie. Yeah. If you yeah. catch it, like half the stuff in Threat Level Midnight is someone being shot, <laughs> yeah, guns or something. Yeah, blown away like in a big fashion. Uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, uh, there's the, the really funny opening with the with Michael's casual Friday jeans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is Which, a really funny. Dry that was mostly yeah. a cold open, but they do reference the meeting. But beyond that, it really has nothing to do with the entire the rest yeah, of the episode. Just, yeah. Just for yeah. the joke of Michael's jeans. Yeah. Because mm. you know, Ryan comes in with his lucky tie for the the, the mm-hmm. big meeting. Yeah. We also find funny is like while they're at Chili, just how bored. Jan is. Yep. Like you just like she's like no no one's home for half that time, and then you know she's like she's about to start to say something. And Michael like lays her off, and he you know gets to sell. And... <clears throat> yeah. There's also yeah, a that's... really awkward editing moment where Tim Meadows is like talking to her. He's tell- he's giving her a speech of like, oh your blood's red. Like yeah. you gave up all. You-. Like he gives her that big speech, and at, like the last sentence he gives, they cut to a reaction shot of her, and Tim Meadows is totally not talking at all. <laughs> Yeah, well, so what's interesting to me is that uh, so this was, this whole show shot single camera style, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is weird, too, because the way it's presented, it's as if there's like a couple of different camera people throughout right. the office. Right, <clears throat> And so apparently single camera is way more expensive because you're doing more takes and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, so, right. So from an editing perspective, they just had Jan do reaction shots and they just kind of chuck that in in a moment that yeah. makes sense story-wise, but they show a little too much. Yeah, just a little bit. But I, uh, yeah, I always thought that was, I mean, because The Office is the one that moves forward with the single camera style. Like, that's yeah. what made it super popular. So Parkinson Rec does it, obviously, because Greg Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Um, Arrested yeah. Development does it, though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think 30 Rock not... was a single camera, too, at one point. <clears throat> yeah, and it's just really interesting that even though it's more expensive, people wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's weird. Um. Let me say, uh, to go to the, the jam bit, they have that moment on top of the rooftop, which is a yeah. 
big moment for them, right? Mm-hmm. So they're sitting there and they're watching uh, Dwight jump over fireworks and Kevin yeah, little sparklers. is kind of kicking in the direction of them because he doesn't feel confident enough to jump over them himself. Yeah. Uh, and they share that, that meal, which later on gets... Um, oh, man, I forget what episode it is, but later on it's revealed that Pam's worst date is that she was left at a, like a high school hockey game, right? Oh, it's that episode. It's no, that episode, yeah. Oh, it's no, episode. it's the episode before. It no, was the I'm episode pretty before. sure it's this episode. Is it? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I was looking at the wrong part of my notes. Yeah, it's this episode because there's a little bit like a re- reoccurring gag where they start talking about everybody's worst date. Yeah, and yeah, hers is the one with Roy, and it's like super sad. But, but she got left so, at the at the screen yeah. Wilkesbury hockey game. Yeah. The way, she, the way she says it, like, that just shows how good of, a, of an actress Jenna Fisher was. Like, the way she gives that delivery, you feel really bad for her in the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow, that sounded really bad. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, yeah, and then Jim makes the comment about how, like, people would perceive the night before as their first date. Yeah. Uh, and then brings up the whole being left at the hockey game thing, and they, uh, they don't end the episode on a good note. Right, but no. I felt like Pam was playing with Jim and just took it too far, you know. Like you, you, you like you're joking with somebody and you just go one one sentence too long with the <sighs> joke and it kind of screws up. Um, so what I did figure out is that um, they left the office around eleven mm-hmm. yeah. in the evening. So that means that Michael didn't get back until well. You know, well, I guess they might have gone straight home. I guess they would have gone straight home. But he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, she came back to the cab to get her car, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Um, and the song they listen to is Sing by Travis. So if you ever want to look it up. Okay. There you go. So take your significant other, stand in the parking lot of your favorite work establishment. <laughs> And awkwardly sway do some type of or so, yeah. somewhere you have like one listener who's a big Travis fan and they're like, yeah, I knew it, I knew it was that song the whole time. I mean, yeah, you know for a fact someone like knew that song when it aired and they're like, yeah. holy shit, holy shit, Travis that, that's Travis. <laughs> they're gonna be huge. Yeah, exactly. Like, never again. Um, anything else about this episode, fellas? Um. Oh well, I was gonna speak to the whole like. Uh, Pam kind of, I don't know, play, playing into Jim's, like, evening too much. Um, I, I don't know. You, It's it's kind of weird because it goes back into the whole separation of, like, if this was realistic versus how it works for the show. Because girls most time or women most times aren't dumb. They know when guys have crushes on them. Like, they should be able to pick it up. And Jim isn't necessarily subtle. So right, maybe a... she feels like Jim is, like, a little lonely and she just kind of wants to make him feel good. Oh, uh, something I was we were talking. I was talking about this with my wife. Is like, does she not know how much she feel he feels for her, or does she not yeah. want to know? Yeah. Because if she like she just she just calls it off as a little crush. Right. Or you know, if if it's real, then she has to deal with it, and she doesn't want to, have to deal with it because she doesn't want to lose yeah. him. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a thing that. Um... When things are not great in her life, Jim is this shining beacon of positivity and companionship yeah. or whatever because Roy yeah. is not that person. No. But but I think when she goes home, she doesn't think about Jim. I think it's like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. So I think yeah. – I do think she is confused about her feelings for him because 
I mean, even though they spend so much time together, they're not really together, right? Because they're working and he's working and yada, yada. Yeah. So I, I think she is conflicted. And I think when, like, real honest moments come out, uh, yeah. she yeah, – I mean, I think both of them kind of get blindsided. And Jim is the one who is safer to do it because he's got no strings attached. But, I mean, at this point, Pam's been engaged for, like, two, three years, something crazy like that. Yeah, I think three at this point. Yeah, so uh, – and like so, I I get that um, it's harder for her to like interpret those feelings because she's been with this other person. I mean, since high school too. So they've been engaged yeah. for three years, but they've been dating since yeah. longer. So it's probably been a while since she's felt like she's had a crush. Yeah. So so I do think she's she's properly confused, and when she hurts, or rather when Jim hurts her, she, you know, it kind of surprises her that that would bug her out. You know. That's some great analysis. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I had many a high school emotions. Yeah, yeah. That's the best. That's the best way to call it. <laughs> yeah. The only the only name to give it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, high school feelings are the sorry. Uh, I was gonna say best. High school feelings are the best feelings to put on TV because they're so like over yeah. the top. Yeah. Because yeah. the the There's subtleties. Something, something primal that. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even you, you look at like big rom coms today. I mean, real proper adult humans don't act the way Kate Hudson would ever act in a romantic comedy. But oh, I, that really breaks my heart. It's true. I know, I know. Listen, so... Shattered my world, man. You're shattering my world. <laughs> if you can, try to get that email back. But um, <laughs> she is not going to ride a cab to the airport to fly to Southern California. No. But, I mean, she actually probably already lives there, right? She's a famous actress. But anyways, sure. point, yeah, point being, I mean, the the subtleties of adulthood is saved for, like, proper, well-respected, dramatic movies, not... Yeah, how to lose a guy in ten days? Right. <laughs> yeah, so something like The Office, I think, follows closer to like the craziness of high school love as opposed to. Uh, it's not until like they're dating where like you really feel like the the real love, you know. Not to get I think that's, that, since you're calling it high school emotions, I think that just it speaks so much to me why the, the Office meant so much to me during high school because I guess it felt a lot like that. It's now that I'm looking back in hindsight, wow, a lot of pieces fit together so much easier. <laughs> You're you're welcome, Nate. Yeah, thanks thanks a lot. You made me you dialed me back to a See one time. thing I have yeah. a, a sort of a hard time with, uh especially uh-huh. with Pam more so than Jim, but Jim's default as well, is that anyone in a relationship should not be acting the way she does towards someone else. Is so just like part you of me's want to think, but yeah, that's touchy. It's weird. It's, I mean some there's some relationships that do work like that and there's some that don't. It's a weird concept, but yeah. I mean, in general, you you just yeah, general, you know because the, the standard, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I bring up the high schoolness because I don't, and I don't want to seem like a hoe. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember a lot of late night conversations with friends who were ladies who weren't super happy with their boyfriends who I had a crush on. Right, and we're, we're sitting there and we're talking our name. You know, I'm XX Kryptonian Punker underscore XX, um, and the, you know, and they are you know. Well, my panties just dropped. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, I mean, that that's why I was so popular in high school. But, um, you know, and they're like, you know, OMG, Ted is so, you know, whatever. And I'm like the compassionate friend of theirs. And it's not like it was a role I was playing. I really did care. But obviously I was right. hoping that at some point she'd realize that he's a terrible person and I'm her, her guy who's meant to be. And I think that's kind of the parallel that Jim's following because Roy's not yeah. there. So Pam can vent about Roy and Jim yeah. can be compassionate. 
and it's this trap that he puts himself in because he's there. He can see the real Pam and love her and yada, yada. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I par- parallel it to like more of a high school kind of thing. Because again, we don't, adults don't have time for that. Right. Like we work 40 hours a week and then we got to go home. True. Like I, I don't want to text anybody. Yeah. I mean, these, these fools at broken jars are like constantly talking and sharing their thoughts. And I'm just like, like, I'm trying. I'm trying to watch The Office. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah, and I certainly don't have time to chit chat with like friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these friends you yeah. speak of. Yeah, yeah. But um, That's some uh, some deep relationship analysis from three average dudes from America. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right, so let let's do reviews. Who wants to go? Uh, I'll start off. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. Uh, I really enjoy this episode. You get a lot of insight into Jim, uh, Jim and Pam and Michael and Jan and just you, Dwight the whole bit. So yeah. I'm going to give it four out of five Chili's baby back ribs. All right. Man, damn it. That was my thing. Okay. <laughs> Got it. No problem. Um, I'm going to give it. I, I liked it a lot, but I'm trying to be a little bit more stingy about my, my high votes here. So I gave it a 3.3 out of five. Blooming All onion right. pieces. All right. What a what now? What'd you get? Blooming onion pieces. Oh, uh, okay. So that's like eight thousand calories. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Mister? I would give it three, three and a half out of four first dates. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Good first that's, dates that's or really bad first dates? Solid like character episode as well as a plot episode. Yeah. Like you feel like everybody comes out of this a, a little bit further, a little bit older, a little bit further down their road, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All, All right. right, so we jump into our final episode of the evening performance review. Uh, it is episode eight of the season. It was written by Larry Wilmore, directed by Paul Feig. Larry Wilmore. Oh wow. Uh, he you has know, that, he has know. that nightly show. Nightly show. Yeah, he's the guy who replaced. Oh yeah, he was he was in um. He was in the Daily Show. He was uh, Mr. Brown during the Adversity Day. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. he's been on this show for a while. That's that's crazy. Um, and basically, it follows the storyline of Michael performing performance reviews for all of his staff, but not coincidentally, probably very purposefully, Jan also is performing a performance review for Michael, but she shows up in person. And this is right after their rendezvous at the Chili's parking lot. Yeah. The cold open for this episode is the yoga ball. Oh, man. So, with that, with the great story behind it, too. <laughs> so this, uh, something I caught is, this is the first time where you, you might think Dwight's screwing somebody. Because Jen's like, you're not having sex, and he just gives him yeah. this look. Yeah. And later in the episode, Angela says office romances are only, you know, with the people involved. And so yeah, to get a really great Kevin moment where he's like romances, right? <laughs> so I think like this is where they really set up that maybe they're together. Yeah, but it's very obvious that Angela is seeing somebody in the office at by, right. at this point. Well, that's a great point because the next episode is email surveillance, and that is yeah. when um, that's Jim's party, and then that's where Dwight and Angela are macking it on a lawn chair outside. Right. 
Um, yeah, so stocks. very astute. Yeah, they were definitely indicating early on that they were probably banging. Yeah. Huh. Well, well you, either... guys, you guys know the story about the, the ball, though, right? Or at least what, what, what's significant about that bit? No, nope. what do you got? The, um, when they were filming that scene where Jim goes to pop the ball with the pair of scissors, every take they did, the ball would pop just a little bit, and so the air would like slowly go out, <laughs> uh... and, and, and Rain Wilson would just slowly like sink into the floor. So they were going to do one last take, and John Krasinski goes to stab the ball, and the ball just bursts. Oh. Which is the take that we get. But you see, if you if you watch that scene closely, you look at the left corner, you see John Krasinski break. Like, you see him, like, turn away laughing because they weren't <laughs> expecting the ball to just burst. That's pretty great. Yeah, I think yeah. They, they leave in a lot of that, um, of the There's break. a lot of moments, yeah, that just stay leaving the cut, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so... Um... Who's got stuff? And so, uh, you know, so this is where Jan, she calls and leaves the message. She's like, uh, so he has everyone coming in to talk about the message. That's like how he does the performance reviews is if they give him good advice. So Stanley is like, where did you learn that? Did you learn that in the street? Yeah. Yes, I did learn that in the street. In, yeah. On the ghetto, in fact. That's <laughs> <laughs> where you like get some just perfect, Stanley Sass. You know. I mean, that's that sounds like advice to me. Those big Listen for the pauses, yeah. Because every every time me and my girlfriend aren't talking, I'm I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I mean, this whole season, really. And again, I know it's only season two, but so much happens in this season. But it's definitely right. where they allow these other characters to really start like blooming onion, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's exactly what it is. Thanks, man. And so this, this is one of the other, you know, another Jim prank where Jim realizes that uh, Dwight thinks it's Friday and it's actually yeah. Thursday, and so he gets. That's that's one of my favorite pranks. In fact, like I try, I've tried to do that on numerous occasions to people. <laughs> You're a terrible person, but <laughs> I know. But it, I mean, it's not the worst thing you can do to somebody. But maybe in hindsight, it probably was. <laughs> but you so, get this whole thing where, like, he's like, "Hey, Pam, Dwight thinks it's Friday," and she's like, lights up and gets super excited because I don't know, maybe yeah. she, maybe they're really bored, or she just really loves being involved with gym pranks. That mm. and the joke really pays off at the end of the episode because Dwight goes in for his performance review, saying like, "I've never been late. I don't miss a day." I, I do. I'll do this and this and this. And then at the end, where he misses because he thinks it's Saturday, and Michael has that line, and he's like, "Never miss a day, my ass." Yeah. Right. Um, speaking of uh, this prank, I did erroneously accuse Survivor of being an NBC series, but it was yes. pointed. CBS, it was point, it? it was pointed out over Twitter that it's oh on Reddit actually that it's CBS. Yeah. I, sh I should have brought it up last week. I'm bringing it up now. Um, but he does talk about The Apprentice, and I'm pretty sure that um, The Apprentice was an NBC show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, which is which is great, you know, because you watch this in 2008 or whatever, and we're laughing that The Apprentice is a show that Dwight watches, and in 2016 we will be saluting to President Donald Trump. He'll be the first president to be to have been in a Little Rascals movie, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. a Home Alone movie. Oh my God! Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of firsts. Uh, well, no, yeah, everybody in America breaking of that ceiling. 
for any of our international listeners, we are all really excited about it. Help, help us. <laughs> We're blinking twice for help. <laughs> um, so, so what? So what else? What else do we have for this uh, episode? There's a really, really bittersweet, really morose, a little bit moment that goes back to like we were talking about Pam saying blow her brains out. Where they they do the uh, they go, oh, Michael yeah. has the genius idea about going to the the comment box. And yeah. He pulls out the one note where it's like, what do we do about employees who are suffering from clinical depression? And he's like, ah, scrap that, throw that one away. And they're like, no, I think that's important. And he's like, who here has depression? Anybody? And then Phyllis, Phyllis, yeah. little Phyllis comes in. She's like, there was Tom in accounting. And he's like, Tom in accounting? Who is that? She's like, you remember Tom? She and puts they, the under her yeah, head. She's, she's like, oh, that dude was weird. Yeah. So I do have a, a note here about that. It's during writer's block Q&A session back in 2007. Ooh, it's implied that possibly Ryan was hired as a temp to replace Tom. Oh, and um, the documentary. So I'm just going to read this verbatim because I didn't read it before the show. That's ridiculous. Okay. Why would I prepare? That's yeah, no, never. <laughs> the documentary crew's original purpose was to observe how DM Scranton coped with the death of an employee, but changed their focus when they realized that the day-to-day ennui of a Michael-run office was a far more interesting subject. Wow, that is uh, a really cool little like piece of trivia. Apparently, cool. this was about on, the show. apparently it's on the season four DVD. So if we, I mean, we've all got them. So yeah, check it out, I guess. Yeah, that's crazy. So there we go. The integral part of why the office was created because of uh, old Shooty McShooters and Tom. Wow. <laughs> One um, thing you see a lot in this episode is just how well—I don't know if "well" is the right word here—but just how good Michael is from disconnecting from reality and spinning his own reality. I know it's something yeah. we talk about quite a bit, but it's so much of who he is. You just yeah. see it because he's like. Yeah, Jan's like, we're not going to date. We're never going to date. And he hangs up the phone. He's like, that's my girlfriend. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, he just wouldn't take no for an answer. Is this also the, um, it's the one too, right? Where he's like, I have a business question. And she's like, fine. He's like, what fragrance are you wearing? Is that a new perfume? Yeah. 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 It's like, how, she's like, how is that a business question? <laughs> well, you're wearing it in the office. Or, and again, like Mike gets really confused when he's like, She's like hot and cold and this and that and like he's like super confused about the way Jane is acting even though she's being straight up with how she's acting. Yeah, that, yeah. that becomes a reoccurring like thing for Michael too. Like especially how he and Jan's like relationship begins become more serious and like hot and heavy. He's like always going to either like the camera crew or the the, the other office workers to like kind of feel out his relationship for him. Like mm-hmm. he's like like their soundboards where he's like, well, Jan does this. What does that mean? Right, right, yeah, yeah. right. Because he's like inept to date someone alone. Like he needs yeah. a team. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes a village. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that definitely comes to fruition during like women's appreciation, where he's yeah. got like the whole team of women who are like giving him advice because he's in this, what we find out to be kind of an abusive relationship with Jan, yeah. which isn't really funny, but it's funny. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. See, and and again, going back to Dwight's like multiple hobbies or whatever. Uh. You know, we find Small out he's though? got. Smallville. Smallville. Yeah, I was point that out. I was like, he quotes Smallville. Yeah, he's got um, weekly laser tag. Right. Yeah. With his laser tag team, it's it's yeah. not just weekly laser tag. It's a laser tag team. That's so right. Yeah. So and, like, and he went drinking with them too. So he's social. Yeah. Right. He's not lonely. He's not like Michael. Yeah. Yeah. He does have a little bit of a social life. Plus, he has the farm. I mean, Dwight's a busy guy, and he's banging Angela. 
Yeah. yeah, Dwight's Dwight's doing okay. I don't get how Angela does him. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, Dwight seems like not the antithesis of what she is because they're both like these like follow the rules kind of folks. But uh-huh. I mean, there's a lot in between. Well, that that <laughs> probably says a lot about the relationship. Then they're very much like on the streets. They're very rule abiding and very uh, you know conservative. But mm-hmm. in the sheets, it's anything goes. <laughs> Man. This is the last time. Nobody's I've there to on. tell them no. <laughs> Whatever you just that you you bring that up just r- remind me of that Dwight quote. It's like, so how, how'd you do it? Uh, normal or a woman on her back? You did a woman, woman on her back, back, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Uh, we do have. Uh, I don't know. I guess like a kind of a retcon thing. Uh-huh. But during the fire. Um, Dwight says something about how Michael hasn't um, reviewed him like in years, evaluated him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it's like a mandatory company-wide thing, right? And that's all within the same season. So it's, I think it's just one of those lines that they write because it's funny to have Dwight yeah. say he hasn't evaluated me in years, like they're in a relationship, right. and then to have them actually have proper performance reviews. I mean, maybe he's talking. Maybe we could like give them an excuse to say that maybe Michael does it the way he always does it with like not a, a real like constructive criticism. Yeah. What so it like could be is like, cause you, you get that great moment of Dwight in the stairwell, like pumping himself up with Motley Crue and he's like headbanging and he's like, he's like, why are you going to give me this race? Cause I'm awesome. Yeah. And he's yeah. just going off the walls. And I think maybe he just like goes into Michael's office, like super jacked, super pumped. And he just says, like, I've been good. I do this. I don't, I don't, I'm never late. I do that. I do that. And Michael just goes, okay, that's all I need. Bye. Right. He's like, really? Third wheel? Thanks. And, that's so, and if I remember right, this is the first time where we see Dwight's, um, like, getting amped routine. Yeah. Right? yeah. We see a few more times during different sales stuff. And, it. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, he likes this classic rock stuff. Yeah, his, um, his, his music taste is coming out strong in this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he just like likes because that's what you'd figure him for. You'd figure him for like this classic rock guy who isn't really into current stuff, who drives a Trans Am, right? Yeah. But then you yeah. factor in like the Lord of the Rings stuff, Smallville, yeah. and all of his comic book knowledge. You play he likes second life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's just a weirdo. He likes collectibles. He likes pieces. Yeah. Um, During the suggestion box meeting, you see Toby kind of get a nice dig in on Michael about yeah. his BO. Yeah. It's like, aren't these meant for you, Michael? And you can just yeah. see just like this little glint of just ha- pure happiness you in Toby's eyes. You stand really close to us when you speak. <laughs> well, yeah, and that I, I guess it's Angela's, I'd assume. But yeah, the uh, you have to do something about your coffee breath. It's the yeah. follow-up to the BO. Um, yeah. Which could have been for Kevin, but also ultimately, yeah, it was Michael. Yeah, yeah. And I, and Michael doesn't really – he I think he takes all these comments more as like my office is failing me here at this particular moment. Yeah. I don't think he walks away with like any real like, oh, my office mates think I'm smelly, you know? Yeah. Like he doesn't have that self-awareness, I think. He went into really. it with ulterior motives just to make – just to ultimately to impress Jan. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. to get Jan off his back. Um, anything else, gang? Uh, that's pretty much it for me. That's we talked about everything I liked. Yeah. Um. Hmm. 
I mean, the, the, it's interesting because the episodes that have way more to do with the overarching plot of the people in the office seem to yeah. be the episodes like you don't really have to overanalyze because all that stuff comes into fruition at some point. Mm. It's, yeah. it's, it's the weird one-off episodes where you're like, well, what do we think this means? Because like no one ever talks about it again. Like they never have a dojo fight, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, sure this was probably a very like anticipated episode when it aired because right, it was right after the whole Janet yeah. Mike potentially hooked up thing. So this was going to kind of clarify that to what happened. Right. Let's see. Yeah, it was definitely a jump up. It went from seven and a half to eight million viewers for wow. between the episodes. Yeah, and then it kind of climaxes at the injury. That's funny. <laughs> I wonder why. But anyway, uh, yeah, I yeah. do find it's funny that uh, you know, Jan just destroys Michael to his face, and he just mm -hmm. doesn't. Yeah. He just takes. It. He's like, she's like, you're rude and stupid, but it has nothing to do about my looks. No. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just one of those, like, so you're saying there's a chance. Right, exactly. But he just, like, completely ignores all the terrible shit Jan says to yeah. him. Just because, I guess, he wants to be with her or whatever. I mean, if you get to give Michael Scott credit for anything, is that he does take rejection fairly well. Well, yeah. well enough. I mean, this definitely is also the beginning of, of our knowledge of Michael's tendency to fall for ladies who give him like even the smallest hint of right. attention mm -hmm. right um you know he gets real giddy when holly touches his arm during goodbye toby yeah um you know when he finds out uh, he's on a double date and date mike shows up right um, yeah like i don't know he just he got he kind of gets experienced yeah he can't just have a normal conversation with like a regular looking lady right right you also you see it you see it before you'll see it again how he just like skews everything because you know he's expecting like these women to be ultra hot and they're just normal yeah. people and yeah uh, poor Michael alright guys so what do, what do we oh sorry this is just prisoner of his own own making yeah it's yeah lives in his own existence so for my review I okay. gave this episode. Three out of five sick days. <laughs> okay, and it's 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 good. It's good. I mean, it's not wonderful, but uh, it yeah. pushes that story forward. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I enjoyed this episode. It had funny moments. Uh, so I gave it a three out of five. Getting drunk with my laser tag team. Hey. All right. <laughs> and Nate, what do you got, buddy? I would give it a three out of five. Pop exercise balls <laughs> all right so that's pretty unanimous yeah i mean it's a so it's a solid episode yeah yeah, yeah i don't think it goes up at the pantheon of like must watches for the show um, no uh, yeah but it's definitely integral to the the michael jan bit yeah now next and next uh next episode we're going to get into probably four episodes that are integral to like you must watch so next, yeah. well, in two weeks, we're doing email surveillance, Christmas party, yeah. booze cruise, and the injury. Yeah, those are totally crucial. Yeah. Must-watches, you know, some people consider the injury the best episode ever. I don't, but I know some people do. Wow. I've never really given that thought. I've never sat down and said, what's the best episode of The Office? I mean, it would be up there, definitely be in my top, like, ten, maybe five. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that's something we'll have to start doing when we have guests on. Like, so what's your top five favorite Office episodes? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask him. I didn't want to throw him under the bus, though, in case he hadn't thought about it. Yeah, I mean, I could give you, like, highlights, but I don't know if I can really – I'd have to sit down and really map it out really think about it. Well, next time we have you on, we're going to – Yeah, I'd love to give you that list. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks you. Thanks for coming out to the Great Spot. Yeah, I cannot talk. Great yeah. Scott podcast. Great Scott. Great Scott. And so, yeah, thank you. I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. You can reach us at brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. Uh, you can post on the Reddit, um, we think. Uh, we are on Twitter uh, at brokenjarsbroadcasting on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, we're on there too. So just come check us out on the social media uh nate do you want to give the fans some you know somewhere to check you out online uh yeah i just i just wanted to let people know if you have any listeners in the uh, southern california area where i live particularly the los angeles area uh i have a play coming out in uh, a couple of weeks at the complex theater in hollywood it's called contrapasso uh it's a neat little dark comedy drama about uh, this successful kind of cult novelist, kind of like a Stephen King guy, and he has this uh, young guy that he keeps in his grandfather clock that has a crank sticking out of the side of his head. And every mm. time this writer turns the crank, a new idea comes out of the guy's mouth, and they write a book. So it's a, it's a neat little play. It's a little like two-actor. And uh, if you're in the Hollywood area, August 12th, 13th, and 14th, you could uh, potentially see the show. You can find tickets at adaartsgroup.org. Ada, A-I-D-A, artsgroup.org. There's tickets uh, and links to all the information you might need to know. But other than that, you can find me on Twitter at DarkNateReturns, like the Dark Knight Returns, but Nate's to the night. <laughs> um, Tumblr is the same. And, and, and Tumblr and Instagram are both the Dark Knight Returns, and Twitter is just Dark Knight Returns. Can I say those and characters? Then, yeah, and then, of course, uh, Facebook is just Nathan Gonzalez, if you ever want to. Check me out there, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Otherwise, cool. and also, whenever you have an inkling, like if you ever, if you ever with your friends and you're quoting the office, and one of your buddies gets it wrong, and you want to prove him wrong, go to theofficequotes.com. <laughs> you will find that quote. I guarantee you, it'll be right because chances are, I probably inputted it myself. <laughs> don't quote awesome. that other site. No. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I, it's a free, free internet, you know, net neutrality, whatever. But no, uh, no but I would prefer, yeah, to hit <laughs> no. the office quote. <laughs> And yeah. whitelisted on your ad blocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's, I never thought I could get this deep about the office. It's been a while, and I, it's been a pleasure. That's what we do. Yep. Well, uh, y'all all have a good night whenever uh, or whatever you are, whatever you're doing. Hope it's a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.